This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me today are James, Natalie and Kevin to discuss another week of transfer inactivity and various other things on the podcast. Kevin, you weren't with us last week because you were away gallivanting doing something, so we'll kick off with how your summer was. What have you been up to in the last few weeks? My summer? Um, okay, so I took two kids to Disneyland. Um, I got really? confronted. I didn't know yes. that. No, well it did, it happened. Wow, we found a, a dead Buzz Lightyear, which was very distressing. Oh my god! Um, Death call. What to do? <laughs> very got, early got... on the podcast, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, got confronted by a sheep while camping in the lakes. Oh my god! Um, put up. A, this is impressive, actually. Put up an IKEA bed um, and didn't end up in divorce. Nice. Um, that's, yeah, I think that's the first time that's ever happened. So it's certainly notable. And last last week you were recorded to be on telly on behalf of Non and Evernote, weren't you? Yes, yeah. Um yeah, so Premier Premier League Productions got in touch, which is apparently the Premier League's in house uh, T V production company. Um and they're speaking to podcasters from each of the Premier League uh sorry, of the promoted teams. Um and obviously we can't allow any of you, any of these guys on T V. Um if you've seen any of uh, Jamie James uh, or Natalie's profile pictures, you'll probably understand why. Um, um, yeah, so I went along went along this week, um, and it was quite good. Actually, it took about four hours, so you could see lots of hopefully see lots of me. Um, we Do recorded. You know it. when that's going to be on yet? The Saturday it's going to be on. I think it's going to be sometime around um, around the fifth of fifth uh, of August, beyond Sky Sports, BT Sports, and international broadcasters. All the channels, um, all the channels, all the channels. Yeah, no, no, never. I had to do, um, I had to do lots of sexy pauses. Apparently, <laughs> moody sexy pauses. Brilliant. And um, also got told I've got really good walking, so <laughs> it's my CV sorted. It's a good job they didn't send me because I'm terrible at walking. So, well, there you go. It would have been more like twelve hours rather than four hours. 
So some of those those questions that Kevin got asked are actually quite good, so we're going to steal them for the podcast a bit later on because we're lazy. And Burnley haven't signed anyone for us to talk about. Last week we talked about Goodmanson and Pope, who were duly confirmed just about in good enough time for the podcast to be immediately out of date. So um, thanks for that, Burnley Football Club. Wait all summer to make a signing and then do it as soon as we release the podcast talking about no signings. Very, very grateful for that, so we'll do some of those questions later, but unfortunately the big news story at Burnley this week has been a racist incident at Bradford City, the friendly at Valley Parade on Saturday. A Bradford City player was racially abused by a Burnley supporter who has since been interviewed by club officials and banned for life, essentially, so good to see that dealt with very quickly. Um, None of us were at the game on Saturday, but Natalie, it's so depressing to see stuff like this going on in 2016 you'd hope we'd be beyond this sort of nonsense absolutely and I was quite surprised when I read the news reports coming out of it really it almost felt like it was like a a rumour of some description it almost felt fake when you first read it and then when the official reports came out and you realised it actually happened it it kind of struck you as a minute almost like what like how has this how has this happened in this day and age and I just (laughs) part of me just wants to uh, part of me doesn't want the club to make a big deal out of it because I genuinely do believe that this is an isolated incident of just somebody who's obviously not on the same page as the rest of us um, and it can just be dealt with and gone but then similarly it is really important to bring it to the attention and just to, to you know to make people realise that it's completely unacceptable and it won't be tolerated by anybody um, it was in danger at some point of being exploding you know quite um, viciously when I think um, Andre sent out a couple of tweets and I have seen um, some of the press making quite a big deal of this today because Andre had, had made a comment um, you know and this is the danger with these situations and some of the, the lazier um, headlines I've, I've heard today were you know Andre Gray accuses own fans of racism and you know trying to, to sensationalize it but I think it's depressing that it happened but I'm pleased to see that it's been dealt with quickly swiftly and not a big drama made out of it and I think hopefully we can all move on yeah I mean obviously no one ever would totally condemn this it's disgusting that this happens at games but sadly it still does go on I saw some strange comments on Twitter saying that people should just like ignore it and hope it goes away essentially which I think is totally the wrong attitude to take and also people saying that Gray shouldn't have had his say when I'm sure it was very distressing for for Gray and players like Derek were to, to see their own supporters behaving in that sort of way um, but James this is at the end of the day one fan um, you certainly don't want to get into a situation where Burnley fans are all tarred with the same brush do you? No, it is one fan. Um, I mean, what I'd say is I, I think I've seen bits of it before at the turf as well, and it is a shame, but, um, you know, I think people know with Burnley's history that there is that minority in the town that, unfortunately, is still stuck somewhere in the, you know, the first half of the previous century. Um, but I think it was it was good to see um, the snippets on social media where, I think it was, the, was it the guy's step? dad or something like that who, who was with him and he was the guy who voluntarily left and he came on a forum I think it must have been a, a Bradford forum and you know explained what had happened and how he was trying to stop him and, and a few eyewitness accounts do sort of collar it that yeah he was trying to stop the the lad from doing it and he sort of left ashamed of him um, and obviously the action from the club is, is 
is good too. Yeah, it's it's a really strange one. I mean, I, I had a few conversations with with people who were there and people who'd experienced this sort of stuff at the turf before. Someone basically said that um, there's an area of the ground. I'm not going to say which area of the ground it is, but you'd probably be able to guess, which isn't policed very well. Where this sort of thing happens a lot. Um, and this this guy told me that he's been to court and like reported as a witness in cases, and essentially very little has happened. Um, but Kevin, how much can be done about this sort of thing other than kicking people out of stadiums and banning them for life? Is is there anything more that fans can do? There was a hotline at one point, wasn't there, that effectively encouraged fans to shop their own fellow supporters if they saw racial abuse or other sorts of threatening behaviour going on inside the stadiums. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure on the on the small level things that that can happen, and I think. I think, like you've like you've all said, it is only a very small, um, a small number, and it's 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 it's, it's getting a balance. Right, because you don't want to blow it out of proportion and make it a bigger deal than it is. But also at the same time, you don't want to brush it under the carpet. Uh, you've got to address it, um, and not just address the incident, address the causes, um, which is I, I, you know, I, I think it's it's important to continue. I think we always have these. Um, those show racism red card days or whatever they are and another company they're not completely perfect we've got some critics but initiatives like that um just raising aware raising awareness in, in in the fact that making it a bit more taboo and making it um just re- reaffirming that that stands for it's completely unacceptable um and i don't think it's, it's something that's going to completely disappear overnight because it's attitudes that are ingrained um, in again a very very small number of of people, not just in football but in in society. Um, I don't know if the the crowd mentality and being to, be able to hide helps it creep out a little bit, a bit more in football perhaps. Um, but I think it's just continuing to to press that that cause and press and um, the, the idea that it is completely and utterly unacceptable. Um, I think that's that's why it's. Uh, I think yeah, I've seen, a, I've seen a few people saying that maybe the club shouldn't have made a statement, tried to just because it is only a small incident. But I think the club making a statement just is important, just to re- completely reaffirm that. Not the, I mean, ideal world, it shouldn't have to be reaffirmed. It should be completely obvious. But um, we don't live in an ideal world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I didn't really want to have to talk about this on the podcast, but I didn't feel like we could just ignore it, especially when it's been main story coming out of the club but yeah, hopefully we're not going to hear stories like this again this season because that would really overshadow what should be a celebratory season in the in the Premier League so hopefully non, no more of this rubbish at Turf Moor or at away games because it's not something we want to be associated with um, moving on from that then um, the other friendly this week was at Morecambe Natalie you made the short trip to the Globe Arena is it Morecambe play at? What was it the is, game yes. like? Um it, it was all right, actually. It, it's quite hard to um, summarise the game. So I think we probably just have a, a quick chat about this and, and then move on. Um, just purely because it very much had the feel of a training session as opposed to a game. Um, and I think a lot of that was down to the conditions. It was unbelievably hot. I do not know 
how they even got through 10 minutes in that heat we the fans were wiltering on the um on the terraces it was horrendous um but you know it, it was all right it, it, i don't think there's an awful lot we can take from that um a couple of key points for me um ashley barnes about 10 minutes into the game just you know given the heat and the conditions and the fact that everybody else was was fainting on the spot he decided to chase down probably about 40 yards just to chase down a dead ball for no reason a pre-season friendly so it's nice and encouraging to see that Barnes is still <laughs> that same fighter that we always knew that he was um so that was positive um I I think it highlighted for me a couple of areas where we and we've gone over this quite a bit where we are short of cover and uh, as a squad and could do with strength in the team but we talked about that at length last week so I think it was just reinforcing that um otherwise it it was a great day and of course we had the um new wicket unveiled which I am pleased to report is lovely mixed opinions on that kit I think but that happens no matter what the kit is you're never going to please all the people I um, on Barnes actually it was a shame to see he came off in the Bradford game didn't he feeling his, his hamstring and Lucas Jukovic came off as well after about three minutes on the pitch he'd obviously enjoyed his run out that's enough for me I've, I've done my pre-season that's three minutes under the belt for me so hopefully those two injuries aren't too serious I'm sure there were just precautions um, moving on from those pre-season games then uh, a week without a major signing as I mentioned earlier on the news this morning, Monday morning was that a third bid for Dale Stevens of Brighton has been rejected that joins the three bids for Derby's Jeff Hendrick that have been rejected and James it's starting to feel quite similar to two years ago isn't it where we seem to have the targets and just not able to, to bring them in for whatever reason Yeah a little bit um, I mean obviously you don't know what others are going on behind the scenes or you know what reasons teams are have for, for rejecting, and in some cases, maybe it's the player if he really wants the move needs to sort of force it from from the other side, um, which I think you you sometimes see happen. But I don't know. To be honest, it, it's hard because sometimes, obviously, these things get leaked because people want to drive the price up and, and, and things like that, and it is hard at this time of year to to know what to believe when it comes to transfer rumours yeah I think Stevens is a tricky one because he's um, apparently injured which could mean he actually is injured or it could mean he's refusing to play because he wants to go um, and there was a story today that Palace I think it's Palace are also interested which could quite easily be Brighton saying someone else is interested to try and get more money out of us um, Natalie with things like social media I think stories get misreported and twisted out of all proportion it's, as James says it's very hard to know what's actually going on and we can't really be too critical when we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but it is it's very frustrating at the moment it's unbelievably frustrating and it's it's really really hard to try and keep calm about the whole situation and just take um, you know, a balanced view and to try and, you know, work your way through the information that's out there. You're quite right. Social media does not help in these situations because people are desperate for news. And that gets made worse when there isn't any news coming out of it because people are, are constantly hunting for any little snippet of gossip or any potential link to a player who because they, they're just so desperate. Fans are really, really desperate for, for players to come in. So, 
the slightest little rumor can get tweeted, retweeted, and people are searching for it, and then it gets blown into all, you know, out of all proportion, and it becomes um, some kind of story that people jump all over. Then, when those rumors don't happen, um, you know, the fans get more frustrated with the board. I, I don't, I don't think that nothing's happening. Um, I do think that the there is work going on behind the scenes but obviously we are keeping our cards very close to our chest and we aren't revealing the business there so I think that doesn't help matters however um I do feel that the board have set themselves ridiculous parameters to work within that's becoming obvious from the information that is available out there and the bids that we've had rejected um and you know the, the headlines for, for players who are going to other clubs or you know um, bids that are coming in for us that are way, way short of the market value that's been put on that player's head. So for me, I think it's just a case of, yes, I understand that we do things differently at Burnley and I understand that the chairman wants to, he doesn't want to invest all this money, he wants to save it, but we have got to, you know, we've got to do something about this. We've got to loosen these purse strings. Otherwise, we are, we're just going to go straight back down. I think a concern for me is that I think last season we did our main business quite late. Uh, we'd already started the season once Barton and Gray came in, um, which we probably got away with last season because we were we were the best team in the league. That that's not going to happen this year. We're probably the worst team in the league, um, and if we're going to stay up, we we can't afford to start start the, the season with anything but our strongest team. Um, if we're starting the season without key players like we've not replace Barton um, that's that's going to be a really worrying sign for me because not only are you miss, are you going to be playing a few games where you're weaker than you should be um, it also means you know I think it took quite a while for, for, for Barton to to get full, to get into the team properly and get fully up to speed with things um, and it's just a concern that if we're going to leave our business so late again because we're holding out to get the right deal and whatever we're doing um I, I, I just I just really hope we can get our, our strongest squad because this season every single not every not even every match matters every single minute matters when we're in the Premier League this season. It would be a disaster, wouldn't it, if we started with Scott Arfield in central midfield like we did the last year? As, you, as you've said, the start of the season is so important. Um, I think I I said it was vital online somewhere this week, and someone said, "Oh, it's not that vital. It's it, just like important because you can get the points at any point, but." when you're a promoted team you really want to continue the momentum as much as possible and with the fixture list as it is now with the five home games in for seven we really need to get some wins on the board early because it was ten games without a win last time we can't, we just can't afford to start like that otherwise we're basically down aren't we? Uh, yeah I think having so many home uh, home games at the start of the season is a big opportunity to, to get points of the board quite early on um, obviously we had that, that slow start last time um, and when you, if you, if you're going to say we're going to, if we were to go down by two or three points, you could, and we had a really slow start, but going into a season, that's, um, like I said, I think every game is so important in the Premier League this season, and we can't, we can't afford to 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 be, have a slow start. Um, I think the flip side to that five and seven uh, rough start is obviously we play four in a row, four away games in a row, um, away from home in March, uh, which would be a bit tricky. Um, I think a caveat to that is that I think Sean Dyche, the way his team operates, um, I don't think momentum is is that big a, big a deal with Sean Dyche. I think um, 
we don't. I think he's very much focused on okay, forget the last game, let's get on with the next game. And I, I know a lot of managers say that. I think it really is, is the case with Sean Dyche. Um, so momentum not as, as big a, as a deal as it might be for some teams, but we, we really can't afford to, to be slow slow off the out of the gate this time. Yeah, I think that's that's a really important point, and I think fans that say, "Oh, the transfer window is open until the end of August," it's I think I said this last week, but I, I really do think it's a bit of a delusion because those points that we are effectively giving up by not having the squad in place could be absolutely vital. But let's not bang that drum um, too much. Hopefully, there will be signings to talk about next week. Otherwise, we'll just have to keep complaining the same complaints over and over again until there's finally some football to talk about. Um, as I mentioned earlier, then we'll move on to some of the questions that Kevin got asked on telly, because Kevin's going to be on telly. Um, the first of which is about experience in the Premier League. Obviously, we were um, in the Premier League two years ago, came straight back down. Is there anything in particular, James, that you think we've learned from that experience that's going to make us stronger this time? Ooh. I, I think what's really key from uh, from last time is not having a slow start like we did did last time. And I mean, we saw obviously the first time we went up how good and um, you know a strong start at home was. Um, unfortunately, we we couldn't do anything away from home. Um, and then last time we had a bit of a slow start both home and away, but our away form on the whole was far better so if we could sort of combine the two and maybe get that great home start with some better away form that could be the key to making it stick this time around and what about Dash do you think Dash has, has picked up any new tricks from, from last time tactical inflexibility was one of the big things for me yeah you, I think we saw last season that he did become maybe more willing to make subs earlier in the game and I think obviously that could be key going forward um, I mean I, I still think that Maybe the way to play in the Premier League is, you know, pack the midfield if you go away to, you know, the Chelsea's, the Liverpool's, uh, United, City, etc. I mean, obviously, I know we did manage to get some good results against big teams, but at the same time, I think some of those games might just be more about damage limitation. And I think going and playing four four two everywhere, while, you know, admirable from a trying to play the right way sort of standpoint, doesn't necessarily get you the most points. Yeah, unfortunately, we probably need to sign a couple more central midfielders to be able to pack the midfield because we won't be able to pack it very well at the moment with the midfielders we've got. Um, Natalie, same question to you. Do you think um, the experience of last time will be firstly useful and is there anything in particular that you think we've picked up from last time that's going to make us more equipped for the Premier League this time? Um, I think... Off the field, we covered this last week, I think off the field I worry slightly that we, we don't seem to be displaying um, some lessons that we learned from, from the last two Premier League campaigns that we were in. Um, on the field, I agree with James. I think that Deitch last season um, very much showed some what's the word I'm looking for? He embraced change. You know, he, he, he did look at getting some different um, players in there and trying a few different things, you know, not too far away from his comfort zone, but he did show his ability to change things around when he needed to. Um, I also think as well that the 
the Premier League itself has changed since last time we were there. You know, we've just had a season where everything has just completely changed. Um, teams are all, you know, fighting for different spots now. And there's teams that are traditionally mid-table that are now in the top four. And so the whole division has just been completely turned on its head. And I think that will suit us because we have... Um, we have some consistency in how we play. And I think um, one of the criticisms we had of the last Premier League campaign was that it was very, very easy to see how we would play. And I think in some respects, I think, Jim, you said that a couple of times on the podcast last year that in the Championship we had the same problem. You know, do look at maybe 20 minutes of a video and you see where we where we, um, where we we play and how we play and, and, you know, in what formation. I think that will actually work for us this season because nobody knows what to expect from any side at the moment. And I think if we can stick to our game and stick to some consistency, then I think that will catch some some teams by surprise. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Obviously, last year the Premier League was massively unpredictable with Leicester winning the title, and it looks totally wide open at the top this year, which could well mean that the points totals are much more different from, from usual. You might need more points or less points to stay up, depending on how it plays out. I was trying to write some Premier League tips for a client of mine. Um, I'm available for commissions, by the way. Please do get in touch. And it was a nightmare trying to pick out what's going to happen this season. I think it's going to be really, really unpredictable. Um, Kevin, what are your expectations at this point? You've just said a few minutes back that you think we're the worst team in the league at the moment from being the, the best team in the Championship. Obviously Hull have got a lot of problems at the moment. Do you think it is that clear cut at the moment that unless there are new arrivals we're going to be facing relegation? Um, I'm not sure I'd say that. Um, I think yeah, if you look at the squads, uh, we're definitely definitely down there as one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst team. And, and I don't think that's a, a huge criticism. Obviously, the, the, the standard in the Premier League is 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 so much bigger than it is in the in the, in the Championship, and there's much more money, uh, much more established teams. We've just spent had lost more, uh, many years of spending lots of money, um, but I don't think that means we're, we're necessarily going to be relegated. I'm not sure. I think we've had a lot of success before when we've not necessarily been. Um, the the best team around. Um, I think what's what's really important to Sean Dyche's team is that is the way he manages that squad. Um, I think so, certainly expectations are we need to stay up. I think the last two times we've been in the Premier League, um, it's it's been I think it's been not the end of the world to be relegated. I think we've been very much yeah we've enjoyed it. It's been. It's been an, an enjoyable experience, and we'll come back again. Uh, this time, I think once you get to your third time um, in the space of a few years up in the Premier League, you've really got to got, got to be looking to stay in there. I think anything um, if bottom three is is failure for me this season. But on the flip side, I think anything above seventeenth is is a big bonus. Okay, let's move on to tweets of the week. Um, now, obviously, Natalie, a lot of the tweets were about what happened at Bradford, but you've managed to pick out something different. Tweet of the week, 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 tweet of the week. Yes, I have. Now, tweets of the week are getting quite difficult at the moment listeners to be able to pick something up that's funny and uplifting so I'm going to set you all some homework for next week to send, find me something more positive I love it when Natalie sets people homework <laughs> <laughs> homework listeners I want you to send me something that's 
good and I can give us all a bit of a laughter in this uh, depressing transfer market win. But Mass- actually, massive on... backhanded compliment to the tweeter you're actually going to pick out. This, <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. the only one I could use. <laughs> this is the only one I could... And actually, it is quite a depressing one about the transfer market, so I'm sorry. But well, let's um... on with it then. This week's Tweet of the Week is from David Whitney, who is at David T. Witters, and he says, six bids submitted now for Hendrick and Stevens combined. You do wonder how long Dyche will remain patient with our recruitment policy. And he follows that up with quite a funny tweet that says, notice that even the local Brighton rag mentioned that we've been quote, puzzlingly quiet in the transfer market. So, yeah, I think think everybody's on to us now. It's certainly something that people are going to pick up on. Obviously, um, I think Hull have been even more quiet. They haven't signed anyone, I don't think, which led to Steve Bruce walking out. Is there any sort of fear that that could happen at Burnley, do you think, James, that Dash could just be like, sat this, I've had enough? No, I don't think so. This is, a, this is a man who talks about buying Italian dress shoes because of how long they last and the quality <laughs> that you get for the price. He, he's a value-for-money guy, Um well, you're not a little bit worried about that statement last week, James, because you, you, I would completely agree with you up until that press article that he did last week after the, the um, Morecambe game. Where... Yeah, I thought that was just like a nudge, but the fact that nothing's happened in the week since. Yeah, it worries me. That's the first time I think we've seen him openly come out and show any signs of frustration. Well, just, just then remember him sat at home polishing his handmade Italian <laughs> shoes that he's had for like the last 10 years. You reckon he polishes his own shoes, Sean Dyche? Of course he does. Of course he does. He's definitely... He's glad you're taking this so seriously, Birdie. I've got some genuine concerns at at Bromley HQ and Birdie's like, he polishes his own shoes, it's fine. He 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 talks about value for money on shoes. Um, I mean, I'd just buy whatever was reasonably cheap and fit. He clearly puts a lot more thought into his shoes. That's what our chairman's doing. Oof. Play slightly it. devil's advocate though. Dash does like Kasabian, so his taste has to be questionable in certain areas of his life. I don't think Speaker says value for money there as well because they don't release <laughs> many albums, do they? You've obviously got a, a counter argument to all my points on Sean Dash's taste in shoes and bands. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think Sean Dash is the type to you know to walk away from a challenge. I think you know he'd see it from the the other side that. You know, maybe he hasn't got the money you'd like to spend. But if Burnley go down, I don't think his stock really takes a hit because, you know, if the money wasn't there, then it's not really his fault that he, he couldn't, you know, push on. If he stays up, then he's taken what many people say, uh, you know, top off the championship players and stayed in the Premier League with them, in which case his, his stock goes up even higher. So I think it's win-win for... Sean Dash, no matter which way it goes, obviously he would be disappointed to get relegated. But I think long term, it, it doesn't, you know, really knock him back. Yeah, I agree with that, James. And that's that's a really good point. And I think we do need to to bear that in mind about the character of the manager that we are dealing with. Um, I think we've all got a little bit more worried about him leaving because we're not we're not just talking here about a solid Premier League side who are probably going to stay up. And um, we just need to add to it to make sure we are talking here about a really weak squad that we now have, and there's some really critical um, signings that we have to make. So, I, whilst I do completely agree with you, I think that was a really good point. Um, I, I just 
just worry a little bit that if we if he does, you know, how far do you push that patience? And if we start this season with the threadbare squad that we've got and, you know, other managers are getting sacked, it's not necessarily him walking, it's somebody else coming in for him and he just we just get him taken off us. Yeah, remember, uh, remember Owen Coyle's watch? <laughs> <laughs> just bring him out in there. That's good value. I wouldn't say they're value for money, though. They're just cheap. He's Scottish, though, isn't he? So value for money and cheap is the same thing if he's Scottish. He probably bought I might say that because I'm half Scottish. Level. For any Scottish listeners, right in, angrily. Um, Kevin, we've talked on the podcast about how frustrated we are as fans to see the, the lack of activity and um, Bruce was obviously extremely frustrated a whole leading to him walking out but for Dash it must be extremely frustrating as well, he's obviously an ambitious chap, he wants to prove himself in the Premier League and at the minute his hands are a little bit tied by not being able to do the business that he wants to do Yeah definitely um, he's a little bit more privileged and he knows um, a little bit more about what's going on than we do but I don't know if that's um, going to make it more frustrating or less frustrating um, remains to be seen um, but yeah I, I think adding to what Natalie was saying there I think it's one of those I don't think it's, it's necessarily a danger that he's going to he's going to walk out and disappear but if if another job was to come along and he was maybe 50-50 about it this could tip this could you know if this sort of incident could tip the scales to that 51-49 or a little bit further um, towards him him leaving the club but yeah it's definitely frustrating I think you can probably understand, and I'm sure he he had a big saying actually, um, upgrading the training ground um, and just spending a lot of money on infrastructure last time around, um, which I think was absolutely the right thing to do. I think we could have probably invested a little bit more in the team, um, but those infrastructure um, investments we made last time were will serve as well for a lot longer than any of those uh, any potential incoming players would. But this time we, we've we've, we've We've that's that's done now. This time we really need to be focusing on on the, on the team, and I'm sure that's what Sean will be saying. Um, and I, I don't know what you say. I know what you're saying about him um, not taking too big of a reputation hit, um, but I think to having two Premier League seasons and two relegations is not going to help him either. So. Yeah, I think he'll be very frustrated from that point because obviously he his primary concern right now is. He's doing the best with Burnley, but obviously he's an he's an he's an Obviously, what were you even trying to say? <laughs> if only there was a way to translate that into words, it could be the title. <laughs> that was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, do you want another go? No, that we've all calmed down a bit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too much. Oh, uh, his oh. promise has set me off. Sorry. <laughs> Everyone mute. Let him have some silence. Give the lad some peace. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, it has to come back to me. This is too funny. <laughs> right, I suppose I'll, I'll have to try and... Wrap okay, it I'm done. Up. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> right, yeah. One last go. One last go. Oh, the... <laughs> Moving on then to, to end on a slightly more positive note. There has been one new 
arrival at Turf Moor, some new floodlights, which are absolutely massive. I've seen pictures of them on social media, apparently they're 11 metres taller than the last ones. Um, James, in the absence of new players to talk about, what sort of impact is are these new floodlights going to have on the team this season? I think they're going to make them a lot more visible. You know, when you're talking about picking up pass from the back, you know, going route one, I think it's going to really help, isn't it? You know, when you can pick Andre Gray out from the full length of the pitch, you can see him so much better. Um, Unless they actually blind Gray when he's doing that little look over his shoulder and he's trying to bring it down, that's going to work against us. Well, actually, in the most boring sub-feature of uh, the podcast ever, David Dave Roberts um, actually linked to a file that I assume was put in with the planning permission because uh, it's available on the Burnley Council website from Muscle Lighting, who designed the uh, floodlights. Um, they have a little picture that shows a competitor, unnamed competitor, obviously, uh, their floodlight system with a picture of it where it's all like blinding, horrible light. And those where it's just nice and the pitch looks really bright, but there's no horrible blinding lights. And if anyone is interested in lighting design, it's quite weird. <laughs> it, it talks about such important technical details as the shadow cast by the Bob Ward stand, um, which is apparently why they're so much taller. So, you know, we've really looked at what we need this time and we've made the right signing in the light category. Yeah, I think central midfield's like, too many people go on about central midfield, but the, the floodlights are the really important arrival. Well, apparently, they used to design the floodlight system based on four quadrants. Um, now, it has to be equal across the whole pitch. So, you know, no longer will you think, you know what, we're playing really well in that top right-hand <laughs> pitch. But we can't in the bottom left. Now... Same this is cutting-edge content on the Non and Ever podcast. Fantastic stuff. I'm really glad so, I brought this up. Doesn't fix that late summer sun though that gets in your eyes if you sit in the James Hargreaves. So yeah, they need to put up a, like, but, a massive parasol but, on the roof. I think so just uh, sunshine eyes, but that would be good. To finish off then for this week, we always ask people to get in touch, and sometimes they do. Believe it or not, Neil sent us an email said he loved episode one twenty, which was much much better than than this one. Can't think what was different about what was different about this week's podcast compared to last week. I can't think of anything different. Can you think of anything different, Kevin? I can't think of anything different. No, no, I think it was, yeah, just, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Neil says, good insight, opinions and banter. Can't wait to see what Neil emails us about um, next week. He says, I'm looking forward to the next one and all this season. So thanks a lot for Neil. You can also email us if you've got any nice things to say about the podcast or any constructive feedback about Kevin trying to speak it would be fantastic. The email address is podcast at nonanever.net. You can also tweet us at nonanever.net. Um, if, if we sign a player, we'll try and do a podcast in the next week. Otherwise, it might be a couple of weeks until we get around to doing the next one. So please do keep an eye out for that whenever it launches. But that's it for this week. Thanks to Kevin, Natalie, and James for joining me on the podcast. I've been Jamie Smith. This has been the Non and Never podcast, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Are wheelbarrows named after Barrow? Were they invented in Barrow? That is a what is a what is a what is a wheelbarrow without a wheel? What is a barrow? Wouldn't be very useful, would it? You can get power-assisted wheelbarrows. <laughs> Brilliant. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.